let's go. Hello, and welcome to Sustain Open Source Design. Is it Sustain Our Design? No, it's Sustain Open Source Design. Yes, yes. Sustain Open Source Design. SOS. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to SOS Design, Sustain Open Source Design, which is a series of conversations about how to sustain open source design projects. Right now, with me as a panelist, Nemo Sparsa, we have Richard Litauer. Hola. And Ariel Fox. Hello. And we have now the honor to have as guests to Cristina Trumilias. Dialing, dialing from Barcelona. Yeah. So Cristina, thanks a bunch for taking time to be here with us and, and talk a little bit about yourself and the work you do, which is amazing. I've been a little bit about it. So yeah, just as a little, a little uh, intro, Christina is a strong Drupal contributor. I understand that you have formed a couple of different communities in that space. So I'll let you uh, do a small intro about yourself and talk to us about how are you working in the design world. So I studied graphic design and actually I would say right now that I am UX engineer. So I actually learned front-end development by myself when I become, became. And actually, because I wanted to create my own websites, I joined the Drupal community and then I started going with my design into the my design background and getting involved both with front-end things and also with design into the community itself. With the time, and actually, I actually got most of my last contracts as a front-end developer. But because I also do design on the Drupal community, I'm the UX core maintainer of uh, Drupal, and I also created and and co-organized several Drupal official initiatives, like the redesign of the admin UI and, and several other internal initiatives. And I also do a bunch of other things for the Drupal community, like structure for DrupalCon, and I'm involved in the local community, the Drupal community, and also other tech-related communities like Women Who Code and other related things. Awesome. Drupal's such a large community and such a large project, right? It's kind of the equivalent of saying, I wanted to build a website, so I went to WordPress. How did you get involved with working with Drupal in particular? Yeah, basically because I didn't know that much how to actually build a website that was like more than 10, 12 years ago or something like that. I actually was looking for something that I didn't have to write that much code. I mean, I was comfortable with CSS and HTML. And because Drupal has the, the template system, it was easier to actually create the look and feel, the create like, the front and side of, of the website with Drupal. And because I actually wanted to create, I would say, more complex project, I got involved with the community trying to meet someone to share projects with that were, was more like a backend developer. And actually, I just joined the community and I got so well with everybody and everybody was so nice, especially in the local community, on the, the local community in Barcelona that 
basically that year there was one of the biggest events in, in Europe was happening in Barcelona. So we just get along really well. And I just stayed in the community. And with that, I started going to national Spanish events. And on, over time, I started going to European ones and later all the other ones. So yeah, basically I started contributing because I needed that for my work, but then I really liked the community and I just stayed and helped with whatever. And because there wasn't any designer, most of the people were developers. I actually helped with the designs of and anything that we had to do for events, especially. So yeah, that's where I started. So I've got two questions actually, and I'm really struggling to know which one I want to ask first. So my first question was going to be just checking in around your experience. So you started off, you said, as a front-end developer or you were doing front-end development, but then you moved into design and you have a background in graphic design. Did you ever contribute code as well as design? So I would really love to hear an experience from a designer who has both contributed code and contributed design and the differences, or maybe the no differences between doing those two things. So Drupal doesn't use GitHub or GitLab or something like that, or at least it didn't use that. We are actually finally moving to use GitLab. But until the movies are really done, we are still using the Drupal's issue queue, which is basically an issue queue, and we were working with patches. So I really struggled a lot at the beginning to understand how to contribute a patch. Even I had to change just an hexadecimal color. It got really hard for me because at that time the community was way larger and there was a lot of freelancers just investing their time and it was really easy to get mentoring or help from other people and we organized a lot of events for going just getting together and contributing during a saturday or a sunday or, or something like that so that actually helped me a lot to understand the tools i already knew how to use git but Obviously, I didn't know how to create a patch or something like that because it was super specific. So over the time, I understood the workflow and the tools that Drupal needed. And actually, I didn't contribute to anything related to Drupal and design until way later. I mostly contributed with uh, CSS and small patches. And over time, I felt more confident and that's when I started to propose UI or design changes, because actually there wasn't any kind of group focused on design. Even though the Drupal community was already huge, there was nothing related, almost nothing. There were a few people that were really good and they knew what they were doing, but there wasn't like a group of designers or something like that. And after a few years, there was a group created inside the Drupal community that was called Drupal UX. And then a bunch of people that was, not everybody was UX engineer or UX designer or UI designer or whatever. There was a lot of people that just liked design and liked to talk about things for a while and wanted to contribute and speak about that. So we created this group, we started doing weekly meetings and it's been happening, I would say probably six years, five, six, six years, weekly meeting. It's sadly, it's a Zoom call and not everybody can participate. It doesn't work for time for everybody, but yeah, it's 
it's been helpful and it's been a good way to actually find how to contribute. But yeah, I basically decided myself how, how to create stuff and just paste it on the issue queue at that time. So I know Drupal has formalized a lot in the past decade. Rachel Lawson is a community liaison there. She's absolutely wonderful. I love talking to her and working with her. And I'm curious, as you formalize this UX working group, what's been the experience of people seeing you as a designer or seeing that working group as the design group who makes all the design decisions? Has it drawn more lines in the sand beyond what you say, these people are designers and these people aren't? I'm just going to repeat something that I said. I'm UX maintain, Drupal UX maintainer. I'm not Drupal design maintainer. That's the category that design has. I mean, we've had this conversation about actually I should be design maintainer, not UX maintainer or, or both. I don't know. But anybody that knows the, enough design knows that they should not be tight or it's not exactly the same thing. But it's a little bit complicated to have like a proper way. Also, we've actually had this conversation with a lot of people where the moment that you say that you are a designer on a developer community, it looks like sometimes your opinions are not heard as much. I think that's something that many of us can relate to. It, not, not necessarily just from a like a design point of view or a UX point of view. I think anybody that is coming into an open source project, not necessarily from a a code point of view, can feel the tension between what they contribute versus like the pedestal that sometimes code is put on in open source software, right? So understandable. Yeah. And a challenging space to be in when you're trying to advocate, right? So you're trying to advocate for really great user experience, right? You're trying to communicate. It's, it's not about me, the designer or user experience person. It's about the people that are using our tool. And sometimes it can get tricky, right? Have you had painful conversations? Have you had joyful conversations about that advocacy process? Well, actually, I've had several situations where saying also that I work as a front-end developer also gives me light points for getting into conversation, which is weird, but sadly, sometimes it's like, hey, I know what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about design. I know because obviously I know about Drupal, so I know what I'm talking about, not just on a design perspective. So yeah, sadly, sometimes it's been like the second sentence that I have to say when I see someone's faces, when I say I'm a designer, well, and I am front-end developer. I know a lot of the conversations around Drupal have changed when a lot of the contributions are now sponsored. And so there's a lot of paid work and there's a lot of unpaid work. How does that enter into this conversation of who has more say and who's heard more? It depends a lot because so the biggest contributor to Drupal is Akia. It's like don't remember, I don't remember which is the WordPress one, but it's a really similar situation where the main contributor, the bigger company and the one that has the bigger budget is Akia and is the one that can pay contributors to be full-time contributing to Drupal because actually they sell at the project and it works well for them. And actually, well, a few other companies have core contributors full-time focused on contributing. But actually, 
I would say that this is probably one of the things that shaped the Drupal product itself because the features that made him over time were the ones that had people investing more time on that and just staying on the project and that had uh, this knowledge and everything. So the companies that had a bigger budget to actually pay for these contributors were actually the ones that were having bigger projects. So the features that made in were the ones that were needed for bigger projects. So over time, the project itself has moved to be a more enterprise product or more enterprise CMS. And sadly, this means that there are not as many freelancers out there as there were anymore. I think 10 years ago, I would say probably half of the community were freelancers that came on Saturdays, giving their free time to contribute to Drupal because at the end, made a better product and it helped a lot of NGOs and everything. But because nowadays it's a huge project and creating a website with Drupal it has to be a really big project to actually create a, something in Drupal. You can't even install Drupal in a lot of, of the cheap places for hosting webs. So it changed the community. Uh, Christina, building up on that, I can't help but wonder if there's a big sponsor and they start saying like, yeah, I need, uh, I mean, I, I'm happy to contribute this amount of money because I need more people working on a full-time contributions scheme to help me do it, do this, this, and this. But, you know, with time, it turns out that this big sponsor or a, a small amount of, of big sponsors have a really important seat in the table and they start deciding stuff based on their preferences and, and interests. So how can a project like Drupal stay uh, independent from those uh, it depends a lot on who has the final uh, word to what is going to be committed most of the time. And something that actually happened on the Drupal community is that already 10 years ago, the code was already super complex. So both the core committers and people that have had enough, enough knowledge to actually review the code were people that had been in Drupal for a long time or basically the Drupal core code was actually there day to day. So if you want to speed up a project and you will probably need someone sponsoring this if it's a big project. So probably the ideal goal will be to have not have all the eggs on the same the same plate. I'm not sure what's uh, the word in English, but not... Basket. Thank you. So that will be ideally the, the, the situation where not all the sponsoring comes from the same place. Yeah, but it's complicated to, to control that. And at the end, if someone has budget, contribute and just put people contributing, probably they will contribute on something that will benefit them. And uh, I see that you're also involved in a triple real project called Lulabot which works as an agency. So yeah. I like the introductory of paid versus free contributions with like exploring alternatives of being sustainable as an open source project and not just, you know, with contributions. And I'm really interested in, on how you guys make that work with Lulabot, having clients and this kind of stuff. So Lulabot is basically an agency that creates big projects, big websites with Drupal. That's the tool that 
we use. And while also we have the design side uh, and strategy side on the company. And the nice part of the company is that we don't expect to work the whole day on client projects. They give us also time to either go and learn more things or go to conferences or something like that. And I choose to invest this time on Drupal contribution. I mean, you can just choose to do something else. I choose, yeah, <laughs> I choose to invest this paid time because at the end it's paid time that they are, we call it internal time and we can do whatever we want with, well, not whatever we want. We can get a new certificate on accessibility or something. And I try to do design stuff for, for Drupal. I love that. Listeners, if you could see the joyful looks on the panelists' faces when Christina was talking about the organization they work for encouraging the time to be spent on contributing to Drupal. Like, honestly, to me, that sounds like something that I've advocated for in lots of other spaces and talked about a lot is the opportunities that a lot of organizations are missing out on when they don't talk to their designers on staff, whether it's agencies or whether it's you know, any organizations, just about the opportunities that contributing to open source software can give designers as it's so wide and varied, but it's not, I guess, not well known. So, you know, it's something we need to talk about more, right? I I would love to see or hear how those conversations started. Was it just from the get-go? This was like from the beginning, you were encouraged to do that contribution process or was it a series of conversations to allow it to happen? So actually, I joined the company just two years ago, and that was one of the reasons that I joined the company, because I know that was the deal. I knew that because I have I've had some Drupal friends basically working in there, and that's one of the... I knew that the company atmosphere and company uh, culture was something that I wanted to work in. And I think it's been like that from the beginning. And actually, I got to say, it's great because all of the designers that have worked on this, as far as I know, I've known so far, they all have contributed to Drupal because they have someone already that they know, someone in the community, it's easier for them. And they see how excited you get when you get contributions from them. They see... Actually, they got several designers coming to Drupal events and that's that culture, it's something that just contributing back, it's something that just it shared uh, among the community, uh, the, the company, sorry. And, and it's actually designers that come from outside the open source world. They land in the company and at the beginning for them, it's like, uh-huh, the Drupal community or the Drupal product, they really don't know it that much. But over time, they understand what's important and they like to contribute. And that's something nice. I like the idea of corporate sponsorship for open source as well. Um, Obviously, that's great. It's the best, right? Send money to people doing cool stuff. There's still a perception in the industry that open source is done by hobbyists. You know, a majority of people working at open source are doing it late at night on their computer, taking time away from their kids. That's like the story that's going on. I'm curious how you feel about that story and how does your experience differ or how do you talk about it to others? Well, I guess we will probably agree that not everybody has the privilege to have free time for contributions. So it's not my quote. It's something that already Dries, uh, the person that created Drupal, actually did uh, say on a keynote that 
it's actually super important why there are less women on open source than in the general industry, for example, why all these things are complicated. The open source industry has changed a lot over the time, and there will be always projects, small projects with hobbies participating on that. And I think it's super natural and super healthy to have that. But over time, I hope open source gets over other software. People need to work and have a family and have uh, either family or just free time uh, to enjoy life. So I think it should be just integrated on how companies understand open source. You use one product, but you want to have a good product. So you contribute back to the product. And it's just an, a change of mindset. So I think it should just evolve to this. Part of the way that we make that evolution and make that change at scale is by recognizing contributions that aren't just code, but recognizing everything. I'm curious what Drupal does or what you do to recognize contributors of all types. That's really a recent change that we've had in the Drupal community. Actually, there's a, a blog post. I can share the link later. It's been always like a contribution code with mentions on commits, but obviously if someone is not committing anything or, for example, our meetings or UX meetings that we've been having for years, there wasn't any contribution, any credit coming from there. So basically mm. it evolved in opening issues as a meeting, crediting people in the issue, and then you got credits on your user account in Drupal.org, which at the same time, if you're working on a company, in the marketplace, if you're, you've been, you can say that you've been contributing that over pay time during pay time. So the company itself gets credits. And the more credits has a company, the better, a better position the company has on the marketplace. So it's been changing uh, and evolving over time. And right now you can actually, as a company, if you're paying someone for doing something, you can actually share that also on the user profile. And that's actually one of the changes that happened recently. I find contribution recognition a really interesting topic when we look at it from a potentially from the differences that designers might have around how they receive recognition. Have you noticed or do you think that there are differences in how designers want to be recognized as contributors? Are there different values that designers have when they're contributing to open source? And how can we grow that and uh, encourage that and support that? Yeah, that's a really good question because what I usually see when I see designers that really don't know the community is like, I really don't care about Drupal's contributions. It's something that they really don't mind. They really don't understand or need unless they are paid by a company. So yeah, probably that's something that we should work on because also getting involved in a big project, it takes a lot of time. It's not like you can just dig in, into the project and understand what you need to do in like two hours. You probably need one or two days to understand the product, understand the need of that specific thing. And probably that's something that as a community should try to open a little bit more or share recognition because probably as a designer, thinking if I'm putting myself the hat of the designer, probably, I don't know, going into a conference and doing giving a talk, for example, and having that 
recognize somehow on a way that I can link from LinkedIn or Behance or Dribble or something like that. That's probably something integrate somehow these design tools or communities into our community. Christina, do you see something like Drupal design community happening soon? Right now, Drupal is focused with contributions about code and things like that. And I'm wondering if you see like a Drupal design thing going on in the, in the future. How, how do you envision that? There is actually one event uh, that it's called Design for Drupal. It's in Boston, so it's a little bit complicated. I've never, I had to go there just before the pandemic started. It was going to be my big event because I really wanted to go there. But yeah, it's happening right now from, I think it's monthly. They do something related to it. It's really nice because they focus on really important things like typography and usability, accessibility, and a lot of interesting things. And there was an event kind of similar here in Europe called Frontend United, but it was more focused on front-end stuff. I mean, there was a lot of design content, but not that many. So there is kind of a focus on the design. There is awareness that the design is needed. It's just that it's really complicated to get designers to work on the project. Actually, one of the things that changed for me a little bit was the initiative to redesign the whole administration interface, where we started using Figma and because it is an online tool where you can open it and actually they actually gave us uh, one of to actually be able to be a lot of people working in there. It actually made a huge change on how many people contributed. Probably there's been like 50 to 60 contributors to the project. So that's really cool. So I would say if we know there is a need, we need to make, to be sure that we put the tools in there probably. You started talking about events and communities coming together to do contributions. So I just wanted to circle back on a question that I had from right at the beginning. And it's something that I think about a lot, especially since when we first met was at DrupalCon Europe, right? On a, on a panel that you moderated about uh, my Q&A that you moderated, which was amazing. <laughs> and I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on the representation of designers within open source communities and conferences and how we can do better around that like so it's great to hear like design for drupal but what other things would you like to see what other would you like more of um specific kinds of events for specific kinds of practices like perhaps ux and things like that what would be like your wish list i think it should start from a point of making people aware that this is important and having featured the speakers or something that just people has to, not has to see, but it, that, that it's placed on a way that almost everybody is going to see. And it's easier to understand for developers. I think it's going to make a huge change. And if it creates this awareness among the community, it's, I think it's one of the first steps. And then the people that can actually make the change happen are going to have this information. I think that's the starting point for this. That's where I would start. So listening to you talk, I'm, I'm struck by the fact that you're in this really sweet spot where you're not just a designer, not just a UX person, also a developer, also really long ties into the community. You know, you've been there for a while, you're paid to work on it professionally. That's unusual and great. What advice would you give to 
young designers starting out? On my experience, contributing into a community actually has given me a lot of contacts, a huge network that actually gave me the opportunity to improve my career, to know where to contribute also, because knowing the the community, I knew where my help was needed. I didn't have to dig in a, a huge ocean of issues in Drupal. I knew where to go and where to contribute. So probably someone that is starting, I think getting involved in a community is really good to get contacts and whatever the work that they do, it's going to be implemented because if they are working on something, it's probably going to be used for real things if they someone actually asks them for. Apart from that, I'm not really sure because I think the industry was so different. 10 or 12 years ago for me than the one that is right now. I think it's great because the web wall or the tech wall has actually exploded and become something way bigger. But as a designer at that time, I could just be a web designer, like design a website. And now you can, on the digital side, on a digital perspective, you can design so many things. So I think I've heard that actually on one of your podcasts that using the work that you can do on any open source project for your real portfolio. It's actually really, it gives a lot of value to a portfolio saying that it's something that it's been implemented or for a real project. I wish I had known that. I used Drupal 10 years ago and did not contribute back and did not know where to do anything and identified as a web designer, but did not know how to do anything. And I no longer use Drupal. So think of all the <laughs> friends I've lost through that, you know, horrible lack of experience. So I appreciate that advice that it's really important just to get out there and meet people. And the best way to do that is to figure out where, and if you don't know where, ask. So I think that's great. We are running up on time. So before we wrap up, I want to make sure that people know where they can follow you on the internet and listen to more of the things that you have to say. Do you have a Twitter, a blog, etc.? Probably the only social media account that I use is Twitter and it's Chumilia's my surname. Right. That's Chumilia. C-H-U-M-I-L-L-A-S. So <laughs> Twitter is a great place. How can people get involved with design in Drupal in the best way? That's an answer that you probably won't like. Slack. <laughs> I know it's not exactly open source, but Drupal was IRC based a while ago, but that died and everybody moved to Slack. So there's a Drupal Slack. There's several channels in there, design, admin UI. There, there are several channels in on that Drupal Slack and it's free to, to join. So that's probably the best place. I would love to say that there's landing page with all this information that's been something that we we want, we've wanted to do for years. And you know, maybe over time, we'll be able to have something that is design-related landing page. If only you worked for a large project that made websites where you could easily <laughs> make a page through a content management system, that would be really useful. Darn. <laughs> cool. Slack's a great spot. It needs the funding, Richard, right? We were talking earlier on, somebody needs to fund that design hub. So there we go. There's the ask. Yes. <laughs> Funders, exactly. 
if you are interested and in listening, that is an opportunity that is just ripe for the picking. For those of you who are not funders and who are listening and enjoyed this conversation, just to let you know, we do have a design working group at Sustain. This podcast has come out of that working group. So if you like talking about sustainability in the long haul, especially for designers, especially for UX people, especially for artists, whatever, you know, big role noun type thing you want to put on them, feel free to join the Sustain community. You can do that at discourse.sustainoss.org, or you can just get in touch with any of us here. We also use the open collective Slack all the things uh, to Slack off and not answer your DMs, but feel free to send us a line there. There is a design channel in the open collective Slack. Well, just before wrapping up, we have a special section to display some work that we admire, which is the spotlight section. I'm going ahead myself. I will spotlight the first open source project that I ever met in my life. I don't come from a code background. I come from a industrial design background, like uh, working with furniture and uh, physical stuff. So it was really great to, to really meet this project. It's called Open Desk. It's a series of blueprints and downloadable files to CNC your own furniture and have like really decent designs to, to build up an office space with a you know, really small amount of, of money. So that's the first project, Open Design, I ever met. That's my spotlight for today. Richard, want to add yours? Yeah, my spotlight for today is Extinction Rebellion and any other climate groups. I actually built a Drupal site originally to stop the cuts on tuition for undergraduates that were being added to the UK back in around 2010. There was a new rule where everyone had to pay 10,000 pounds, and that's way too much. And so I built a site to help out my local protest group. But I think the more important protest groups today are actually doing things around climate change of protesters in Scottish Parliament right now. So big fan of anyone doing any work out there on the front lines protesting. That's where Drupal, I first interacted with it. So join Extinction Rebellion if you can. Nice. Thanks, Ariel. You want to add your spotlight? My spotlight today is not a open source project, but it's an article. And it's an article which you can find on the Better Practices Medium publication. And the article is titled Design APIs Like You Design User Experience. And the reason that I share this is I've been having a lot of conversations in the open source projects that I have worked on and contributed to about APIs and how APIs work within open source projects and how they can be designed very well when you involve designers in that process. And it's something that actually isn't thought of very often to involve designers within a process of designing an API. The article is written by Prashant Agarwal, and one of the quotes from the article is, API design helps us to avoid building the wrong API or the API in the wrong way. And there's some other really great advice about how to involve designers within API projects. Nice. Sounds really good. We will uh, post the link in the podcast URL anyway, so folks can, can visit it. Christina, do you want to give us your spotlight? I would like to mention variablefonts.io. It's a project created by Jason Pamental and I think a few other people also. It's basically a website where they teach you how to use variable fonts. And there's a lot of resources, a lot of information in there. And it's on GitHub, so anybody can contribute back. But it's great that somebody actually spent their time to explain how to use 
properly fonts and because I love typography, so I really appreciate it that effort that they put in there. We all love typography, so thanks a lot. All right, folks. Well, I think that's it for today. Please check out our website and our Newcom podcast editions in the, in the near future. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Christina, for joining. It was amazing.